Welcome everybody to Too Legit to Crit, a tabletop role-playing podcast hosted by two guys who were running pirate campaigns before the One Piece live action made them trendy. Oh, see, I can't, I, I don't think that's true. I think my pirate campaign started after the One Piece live action. I don't think it did. At least you'd written it before. Uh, yeah, the uh, yeah I, I wrote it before, but I think I, I, it definitely was out before I started playing so you've, it. So you've just gone ahead and fucked up my intro. <laughs> well, you should have fact-checked. No, you should have shut the fuck up. That being said, the live action is very good. <laughs> well, first things first, my name is John Santana. I am still Justin, not changed. Not changed, and yes, you are right. The live action One Piece is it was fucking phenomenal. Mm, it, like it, they announced it, and I was like, "Oh fuck, here we go!" And then I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, oh!" <laughs> I have never seen the anime, never even bothered with it. Mm. To be honest, that's been my my stance on anime in general. I've not Fair. not really been too invested. So One Piece. Completely off the radar to me. Mm-hmm. So I started watching this thinking, you know, kind of like Cowboy Bebop, which I really enjoyed. Yep. Although which I've never seen, by the way. Other people didn't. It was kind of weird. But anyway, Cowboy Bebop, the, the live action, I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. So I thought it was going to be something similar. But then, obviously, a lot of people who have seen the anime are a lot more knowledgeable yep. than me, yep. giving it rave reviews. Yeah. Just like, ooh. Okay, I'm now even more inclined <laughs> to watch this. Fuck me, it's amazing. It is good. It is very it good. Is. I could. We could spend the entire hour. We could. We're not talking coming, about this. We could. Look, crossing the nerdverse. They did an entire hour on it, and they are far <laughs> well, more. <laughs> they are far more knowledgeable than us. Yeah. So, if you, if you want that, go listen to them. <laughs> go listen to them. They do their shit better than us. They do. Um, but yeah, it's. I, you know me, I'm not yep. a nice person. No, um, I, I didn't notice that. So any <laughs> sort of character that seems optimistic, yep. I kind of have an aversion against. Yep. So for, for me to actually relate to that character, for me <laughs> to actually kind of go, holy shit, this is good, that means the writing has to be spectacular. I, I just love, like, the way that they've captured the essence of, like... Because I, I did watch a bit of the anime when I was younger. Um, I didn't keep watching it because it's, like, five million episodes now and I don't have time to catch up. Um, but I did watch it when I was younger. And watching the live action now, I was like, oh, my God, it's the series without all the filler. And they've actually managed to capture, like, the essence of every character from from the series and stuff as well, which is really cool. I um, honestly, I have fallen in love with that yeah, series. It's really and good. I cannot wait for a season two. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> can we not talk about One Piece for the entire hour? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck this hobby. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, slightly hobby adjacent, right? Is um, the Tabletop Awards have been uh, putting out stuff for the best board games and RPGs. So it's kind of adjacent, right? We'll, we'll take an adjacent route into what we're actually here to talk about. So effectively, you are pushing it in gently. Yes. And Thank by you. gently, I mean I'm stomping it in with a boot. Thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but basically, um, publishers and designers can nominate their games for consideration for the Tabletop Awards 2023. Um, so yeah, that could be a pretty interesting thing to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. I think it started last year, didn't it? Yes. And it, they are presented by Misty Mountain Gaming. Which is an amazing name. It is, it is. I was literally listening to that song earlier. It's a good song. <laughs> Have you heard the Scar version? No. Not as in Scar the type of music. Scar as in the Nordic heavy metal band. No, I've not. It's... Okay, I'll need to have that, give that a listen later. Yeah, add that to your list. So we yeah. could spend an hour talking about that song. <laughs> We're not gonna. <laughs> We're not gonna, but, you know. We could. We could. Um, but yeah, so nominations have opened, um, and obviously they're going to get, well, a lot of stuff in. Uh, nom- nominations close in six, uh, six days? Eight days. I can't, I can't count. Eight days they close, so not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow. Uh, and then we get to vote on some yeah. of them. Yes, there is a People's Choice yes. um, Award. I've already put my vote in. I have not yet. Yeah, I already have, and probably predictable, but I did have to stick with uh, Pathfinder. Yeah, I'm shock horror. I as, am shooketh by this revelation. <laughs> as much as I've enjoyed many systems this year, mm. um, Delta Green, Blades in the Dark, Fabula Ultima... Um, Fabulous Ultima was so good. And and they are fantastic systems. Um I've still always kind of gone back to Pathfinder. Yeah, that's fine. And I've always kind of enjoyed it. Um so yeah, that that's kind of what I've I've voted for. Yeah, and, see the the one I'm interested in is the best board game category, because obviously I do love a board game. You do, you do indeed. I do. Um me, meh. <laughs> but yeah so that will be something that we'll keep an eye on and once they have uh announced some winners or even some finalists uh obviously we will let you guys all know what what has made it to the top i mean because like last year there were some things that we've kind of already covered mm-hmm. that, that won but one of them uh coyote and crow yeah a fantastic looking game and there's some news on that game as well is there there is so on indigenous people's day which is a public holiday and and whatnot celebrating indigenous people of the u.s right uh coyote and crow pdf will be pay what you want that is pretty cool Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now being that we don't live in the US. I don't know what day that is. Um, it, it is the 9th of October. There we go. So tomorrow. <laughs> I nearly said the 10th of September because we do the dates. Yeah, we, right. we do dates the right way around. Yeah. We do dates the right way around. But um, yeah. then it just took me a moment to kind of go, oh shit, no, these, these yeah, guys are. America. In, <laughs> these guys are in that country. So, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, it is the 9th of October. Um, and yeah, they will be making it. Um, pay what you want model. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I've been, I've, I'm looking forward to playing that system. I'm probably not going to get it this time around. Um, um, just, yeah, I probably won't. I've got birthdays coming up. Yeah, um, that's exactly what I was going to say. This time yeah. of year, my finances 
are stretched, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Birthdays, Christmas, etc., etc. Hmm. Uh, there is something, though, that might get into your wallet. I don't know. My wallet's pretty tight lately, Mum. <laughs> well, there's um, the haunted heartlands and flooded coast of post-apocalyptic America. Um, is getting uh, There's going to be two books, two new books, basically, for the post-apocalyptic setting. Okay. So talk um, to me about that. So the sell are- me, sell me on it, Justin. <laughs> They're crowdfunding for the books at the moment, so it's not going to cost your wallet anything just yet. Right. So so what do I need a system first? Uh, so it, it's uh, using backwards, by the looks of it, uh, is the name of the base game, I believe. Okay. Um, and it is going to be... I, I did have it, and then I scrolled, and I've lost it. Where is it? There it is. So the design, the, the oh my god, words. The, the designers intentionally evoke the bizarre while weaving as much regional folklore, religious traditions, and cultural pockets as possible into the world. Okay. So it's out there, but grounded in like actual stories that we've all heard and know and love. Hmm. Um. So then, two new books. Um. They're going to leave previous hub worlds, New Orleans and St. Louis behind. Um, and they're going into completely different geographical zones. Right. Those zones are Florida, Georgia and Alabama coastlines. So basically up, up the coast there. Yeah. Uh, and the... So that's going to have things like um, some swashbuckling. We did mention pirates. This is quite. This is turning into quite a piratey episode, <laughs> accidentally, mm. and I love it. <laughs> um, so fishers, sailors, uh, basically hunting monsters up and down the Gulf, right? Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, and the other one was, uh, do do do. Uh, it's just like the. You know, like those little towns and stuff that just are all over America, like the one that you kind of had in your your campaign. Okay, it's just, yeah. Just just those little idyllic towns, but shit's going down. Yeah, that setting. Um, so an actual setting for that kind of game. Well, I'm so, just having a, I'm having a look at the original Kickstarter now. Mm-hmm. Um, backwards regional American Gothic horror. Step into a bizarre post-apocalyptic America with two new regional settings for. For the backwards, it's the actual. They've just updated the Kickstarter, I do believe. Yeah, right. That's so not what I wanted you, to look uses at. Uses a zone D twenty system, um, and four core attributes: intuition, build, vigilance, and reflex. Hmm. Um. Now, backwards tabletop is oh. a creator of backwater southern gothic horror game. So there's no there's no set DCs for things. It's um, contested roles. So if you're trying to do something, um, you, you roll against the GM. Uh, so you'll set a goal score, and then the GM will try and beat your score, or vice versa. If you're trying to do something against an NPC, the GM rolls to set a goal score, and then you roll to beat that goal score. I'm not entirely sure if I like that. Um, I do and I don't. I think, um, I think it just adds more work for the GM. It does. 
But at the same time, it, it's less to remember in a way because you don't have to remember what's the DC for a medium thing. Is this a medium thing? You don't have to make those decisions. You just roll. Um, and then you, you can like, because the, the issue I've always had with like fixed DCs is it, if like, I don't know, there's just, I've, I've, I've always had issues with fixed DCs because I, I feel like people stick too rigidly to them. If there's like a number printed, um, when if, if it's something like, let's say there's like a lock on a chest, right? Um, and the barbarian who's got like 20 strength, he should be able to break that easily. So it's, it's just things like that. I, I think, yeah, that there should be, I mean, there's, there's going to be problems whichever way you do it. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, you don't like fixed DCs cause you roll like shit. Yeah, but then I would also hate contested DCs because I roll like shit. <laughs> yeah, but then you need to find a GM who rolls as shit as you. And there is the, nobody that rolls as shit as me. It'd be like the most boring fucking game ever. <laughs> Nothing is happening. Nothing's happening. <laughs> We've been rolling dice for eight hours. What are you trying to do? Get out of bed. <laughs> it's, it's a perception check. Why? Why? I can't find my alarm clock. <laughs> yeah, I'm not entirely sure I like the contested um, aspect of it. Okay. Um, I, I thought I was going to get into your wallet for sure there. No. No, don't get me wrong, it does seem interesting. I think I think if the setting were a bit more relatable to me, mm, then I'd be yeah. a lot more interested. But, you know, it's... The, the, the gothic horror element of the United States it doesn't resonate as much as like yeah, I, I, I get that. your generic eldritch horror, which is, you know. Yeah, I think it's always the risk you take when you set it in like a, a real location, right? Is for the people that live around there, it's going to be really cool. But for anybody who doesn't, it kind of alienates them a bit. I mean, to be honest, I do struggle a bit with that with Delta Green. Mm. Because that is set primarily in America. Yeah. There are offshoots that are set here in the UK, and it is doable, but because of all the printed media yeah. is surrounding Delta Green in America, it's just, it's easier for me to just kind of go with it. And no, I do not do an American accent. It's true, he does not. I, I, do I not. can I can confirm. You know, I, I just, I... I st- maybe every now and again I'll start one and then just kind of go, I sound fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> just it's, I mean, and I don't mind doing accents, but I'd, when, I, when it, I'm in a position that people are kind of staring at me, for want of another word, <laughs> or when I'm the centre of attention, I just mm. kind of lose my bottle and nothing comes <laughs> out right. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's like, it's the, the minute you go on the spot, it's it kind of it puts unnecessary pressure onto the accent to be good. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I I tend not to bother. I really like doing accents, but the minute I'm in any kind of campaign environment or with other people, I'm just like, yeah, no, my voice is fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll probably add the odd inflection to my voice, or yeah, 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 speak a bit more gravelly, but. Yeah. You know, I don't start doing doing accents, whereas kind of off the cuff, I will, mm. and it'll be great. But if it's if it's yeah, if I'm running a game or anything like that, it's just, I can't be fucked. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, you did try. 
Ah, uh, and if it was made. But my wallet okay. is currently how remain, about, remaining how about, tightly shut. I've got I've got something I've got something here. Slam dunk. It uses a version of the cipher system. Yeah, I think I know which one this is, and it's <laughs> and, it, and it's not whether I'm interested in it or not. It's whether I can afford it. <laughs> well, so. <laughs> The surreal fantasy RPG Invisible Sun and its 14 kilogram black cube is returning for a limited print run. Is that what you thought I was going to bring up? Exactly what I thought you were going to bring up. Cool, 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 cool. So yeah, first released back in 2018 on Kickstarter. Um, They have basically announced that they are going to do another limited run. They're going to crowdfund a small number of physical copies later this month. I'm looking. I'm interested. <laughs> um, that is all of the information they've given right now. <laughs> Apart from a sign up for, uh, you can sign up to be notified when the crowdfunding thing goes live, basically on on their web on the Backykit website. I mean, I think I've seen. Where did I see this? Um, they've they've made comparisons to um, some of Neil Gaiman's work. Mm like Sandman and stuff like that. Yeah. That it is batshit insane. Just absolutely all over the place. So the the contents of the Black Cube will be reprinted. So what came in the original Black Cube is going to be reprinted. So inclu- inclu- included... Wow, I really can't speak today. It's because we're a day early. That's what it's thrown me off. <laughs> so the Black Cube will include four books, 1,000 cards... Character sheets, a tarot-esque soothe deck, dice, a testament of sun's plinth, which looks a bit like a hand, um, maps, handouts, and a separate art book. Which, to be honest, that is a lot. That is a lot of stuff. It is. It is a lot of stuff. It does give me a, a, a board gamey kind of vibe, though. Um, yeah, I, I can see that. Like, there are a lot of board gamey elements to it. It does look like a board game, so maybe this is one that I'll probably pick up. But a cipher system, dude. Oh, the you cipher. Lo- you the love c- a cipher system. And I tell you what, when I get you to play the cipher system, you'll I'm probably going to fall well. in love with it, yeah. <laughs> 100%. It's just, it's so fucking elegant. And at the same time, it's mechanical and you've got the, the, the crunch to it as well. Mm. So it's, it's not a pick either. It's like, oh, I want a mechanical last bit. I want a role play. It's like, it is a really good balance. Mm. Yeah, you'll like the Cypher system when I run it for you. No, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, just, just reading up a bit more on what people have said about um, this, this game since it came out. Because obviously it originally released back in 2018, right? So it's been around for a while, but the... The limited number of copies mean that a lot of people are in the same boat of us of, I really want it, but I can't get it. Um, so it has been kind of, um, people have said that it's like a singular roleplay experience. So it is very board gamey. So you set up, you play it, and then pack it up, go home. Yeah, I'm interested. There is a digital version as well. Yes. Although if, if I'm getting it, I want all the stuff, man. You know me. I I am a slut for stuff. Yeah, well, one hundred percent of physical stuff, man. I want it. <laughs> I I get it one hundred percent, but I would be interested in trying the 
the digital version first mm-hmm. to see if I'm even going to like this. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. Um, because um, if it because the original price was one hundred ninety-seven dollars. Yes. Yeah, I cannot afford that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are currently two thousand and seventy-eight other people waiting for the um, backer kit campaign to to launch. And once I've typed in my email address, <laughs> it will be <laughs> 2079. I am not a robot. Last I checked. There you go. It is now 2079 people waiting for the announcement. See, I am not typing in my email address. There's no point. I've already done it. <laughs> I'm, the only reason I'm not typing it in is because I've already got it preloaded. So I just <laughs> select. <laughs> And capture evaded, so <laughs> yep. I, I I was successful in identifying which of the squares were mm-hmm, motorbikes. Mm-hmm. Well done. Congratulations. I did, I did really well. <laughs> no. Invisible so, so yeah, I will be notified. I I don't know. I'm gonna struggle to justify two hundred dollars. I mean, yeah, it, it's going to depend, really, because if, if it comes out at the same sort of price, then, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to justify it either. Um, if it isn't the same price, then I'll, I will see what I can do. And if backer kits say, oh, well, because you backed it, it's $150. Do you see, that is negotiable. Yeah. No, no, so $250 doesn't sound too bad. Mm. 200 sounds terrible. It does. Mm. It's a big difference. It's, it's a big, a big difference. difference. Yeah, it's almost 40 difference. 50 difference. It, it, it is 50 different. It's 50. My maths just went. That was terrible. It was, as, it, was as bad as, it was as bad as my speaking. <laughs> we are falling apart today. We, are going, we will fail primary school at this rate. We would fail art class at this rate. <laughs> and nobody fails art class. <laughs> well, no, do you know who did fail art class? Who? Wizards of the Coast with their last book. Um, but they fixed it. Sorry, they sorry, fixed sorry, it. sorry, 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 sorry. Nice. <laughs> right? That was good, right? I set that up in everything. There was there was a trajectory on that one. Um, but yeah, so obviously there was a, a big story. We covered it um, a little while ago about their one of their newest books. Um, is Bigsby's Giant something or the other. Uh, uh, big, Bigsby Presents Glory of the Giants. That was it. I can never remember the full title of the books. I always just go with the first word. So like it's Xanathar's Bigby. Like, I never go with the full title because I'm lazy. Um, but obviously in that book, there was a big story. We covered it. They used AI art, unbeknownst to them, because the artist didn't tell them or whatever the story, like, whatever the, you know. So uh, the, I, the story was that the artist that they had hired, yeah, used who AI had art. done um, a lot of work for Wizards mm-hmm. of the Coast over the years, used AI to enhance his art. Yeah, basically to add the little flourishes that he just couldn't be bothered to do by hand. Yeah, exactly. So essentially, once people found out that, you know, he had done AI, you know, augments on his artwork, the internet lost its mind, as the internet tends to do. Um, So Wizards put out their big statement saying, look, we didn't know, we're not going to do it anymore, there will never be AI art in our work, blah, blah, blah. Um, And now what they've also done is they have removed all of the art that that artist worked on from the book, and they've replaced it with new art um, by other people and credited those people instead. So, but wasn't this giant's book already released? Mm-hmm. 
So that's going to be obviously in newer editions and yep. in in the PDF. Yep. Versions. So that means that me- that does mean though that there are going to be versions of the book with artwork that does not exist anymore. Might be worth it's, something. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, not right now. At at some point, it will be probably worth something because it'll be like a first edition, right, with a, a misprint in air quotes. However, wizards are not the only one under fire for AI art anymore. So Ooh, are they not? No. So uh, Linda Kodega, the Gizmodo reporter, love that person. Mm-hmm. Love that person. Yep. So they are the one who initially broke the story about the AI art to the wider internet. Um, it has since come to light that a different, uh, it was, I think it was one of the cons. Uh, da, 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 the la- yeah, the largest tabletop gaming convention in Europe, Essenspiel. Essenspiel, yes. That's coming up soon, isn't it? Yep. Uh, ran into the same controversy as promotional material for the convention used AI art, including the convention's official app, promotional posters, and tickets for the fucking event. So they saw all of this happening with Wizards and went, yeah, it's fine. Essenspiel. <laughs> das is not good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> das is not good. Das is not good. Das is not good. <laughs> it's very bad. Um, oh, you're naughty, naughty boy. <laughs> naughty essence spiel. So yeah, so basically, um, they have uh, run into the same thing. Once people found out, uh, the internet have quite rightfully, at least, kept it consistent, at least, with the outrage, um, which I'm glad about. Because let's be honest, quite often the internet will get outraged, and then the same thing will happen, and the internet will go, "Eh, we've moved on." I'm just I'm just reading the quote from yep. I was I was about to go through it. Do you want to yeah. read it? Do you want to read it or do you want me to read it? <clears throat> Getting my my PR voice on. Okay, PR away. <clears throat> sell me. You need to sell me on this. I can't. I'm not even sold on it. <clears throat> we are aware of this topic and will evaluate it in detail after the show. Right now, please understand that we cannot answer your questions at this moment, as we have a lot to do to get the show started today. So basically, what they've said there is, tough shit. (laughs) To be honest, I mean, regardless of the subject matter, regardless of the... Your, your your position on AI generated art. I think that response is as bold as fucking brass. I mean, so just kind literally of, as they were going, yeah, we don't care. Just, to just to just kind of go, oh yeah, about yeah. Well, we'll deal with that later. We'll deal yep. with that after we've taken your money. Yep. You know, next next year we won't have to worry about it. But right now, yeah, we've got a lot of shit going on. Yep. Regarding the questions about meeps and timing, I can tell you quickly that the marketing campaign has been created way before we had the idea to create a mascot. The idea of meeps had nothing to do with the marketing campaign and vice versa. I'm calling bullshit. Meeps, a board game playing kitten and totally innocent of the controversy, because who could blame a cute kitty? Okay, nice little addition there from the author of this article. Yep. is the new mascot for the convention announced this past July. 
See, now the issue I have with what they've said in the statement, right, is that the marketing campaign containing the AR artwork was created before the idea to create a mascot. Now, if they've been using AI artwork in the past, and they haven't categorically said, we're not going to use it in the future, or we regret using it, or whatever. They just said, we're aware of it. Whatever, right? I'm inclined to think that they've probably used it for the mascot as well. Because they haven't said that they haven't. But I would have thought that since this article broke, everybody, like, Mm -hmm. fucking sit-at-home sleuths and... They will have been going over every piece of fucking artwork. And somebody somewhere, had it been AI, would have gone, I recognise that. Yeah, but this this only broke two days ago. Oh, it's the internet, dude. These things happen way fast. Yeah, but we just might not have seen it. <laughs> We're not really in the art scope, are we? No, we honestly, kind of I think from a business perspective... um. If they had anything regarding the mascot that was um, dubious, they would have copped to it, because if not, it would have been a lot worse further down the line. Business uh, business perspective, it's probably, it's probably, okay, fair enough, we'll take our lumps with this, um, but at least our new mascot isn't AI-generated. And I, I do kind of believe them on that. But they haven't categorically said that. They just said that the creating of the mascot and the marketing campaign weren't linked. They didn't say categorically that the mascot was not AI. Mm. <laughs> well, they kind of have in a roundabout way. Regarding the question about meeps and timing, I can tell you quickly the marketing campaign has been created way before. So basically, they're saying, essentially, that's what they're claiming. They're just, yeah, I I think they're actually correct about that. I I don't. I don't see a reason to lie. But very naughty. It is. It's very naughty of them. Very, very naughty indeed. But now we're going to get into some stuff that you're not going to give a flying monkeys about, but I do. We're going to talk... Oh, everyone was somebody with a motorbike going past my window. Lovely. Um... (laughs) We're gonna get into some D and D stuff. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm excited. No, you're not. Why no, you I'm not? not. I'm really not. But so we'll, we'll start with something that I personally don't see as a big issue, but for some reason is news to other people. Um, and I, I, the reason I say I don't see it as a big issue is because Wizards announced this back in like early September, um, and the other company has just put out a statement now. And everyone's going, oh my god, what has happened? It's like, it was announced in September, dude. Like, what are you talking about? Um, so basically, Penguin Random House is no longer going to be distributing D&D products. That, that's it. That's the extent of the story. This, this was, for some reason, a huge article. Um, where basically, Wizards announced back in the beginning of September that they are going to be moving to using the distributing powerhouse that is Hasbro, the company that now owns them, because it makes sense to. Like, you've got a huge distribution company. Why would you pay somebody else to distribute your stuff, right? No, I mean, I get it. I, I saw this come up. And, you know, as soon as I saw the, the, the headline, it's like, oh, 
what have these fucking idiots done now? Um, <laughs> and I've looked at it, and it's just like, well, that's a business. It's a it's non-story. A, it's a business decision. It's yeah, you and know, it's, it's like it's not like it's come out of left field for this company either, right? Like Wizards announced it back in the beginning of September, right? So it's been a month since Wizards announced it, um, and they basically said way back in September that as of just the end of this year, so December thirty first, so basically January first, twenty twenty four. Any distribution is going to come from Hasbro, not from Penguin Random House, right? And then a month later, Penguin Random House has gone, oh my God, guys, and told basically the people they distribute to, we're not going to send you stuff anymore. And the internet has apparently lost its fucking mind again. Well, in other news, (laughs) I am no longer going to be getting my burgers from McDonald's. Yeah. I'm going to be getting them from Burger King. Yeah. So, because, you know, no reason. Just just, you know, just because, yeah. It's yeah. a preference. Like McDonald's haven't done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's not go down that. They <laughs> probably have. Let's, they probably have. Let, let's be honest. And so have Burger. <laughs> but anyway, they haven't done anything wrong to me personally. But I'm just changing my, my provider, as it were. I mean, it, it would essentially be, right, if, let's say you always went to Mackey D's, right, but then a, a Burger King opened across the fucking road, you're obviously going to go to the Burger King across the fucking road because it's easier, it's more convenient. Like, it, it's, it, yeah, it's a non-story. I don't even know why it, it ended up becoming a story. It's, it's just the internet once again losing its mind. It sounds to me like it's bandwagon jumping. Oh, absolutely. Um, It sounds to me like this Penguin Random House. No, have they got anything to do with like the penguin publishers, like from the old storybooks I grew up with here in the UK? Uh, I don't think so. We need to Google this company. I am already on it, Batman. Uh, Penguin Random House is no, they're not. Dif- different logos and whatnot. Publishing then. great books. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Doesn't have, um, like, because uh, the, you're talking about, like, Penguin Publishing, right? I'm looking at, like, um, Penguin Books UK. Yeah, it, it seems to be a different different company. I don't think there's any affiliation apart from they both it's have Penguin. Actually, the there is an affiliation. Oh, is there? Yeah, so if you go to penguin.co.uk, um, <sighs> at the foot of the website, I'm just seeing it on the Google link now, but if you go, surely... I'm at the foot of their website. Oh, yeah, a Penguin Random House company. They Boom. Are. Okay. So it does have something to do with them. It does have something to do with them. Okay, I'm glad we solved that mystery. It meant, it's meant nothing to the story, but... Absolutely nothing, but we, we, we've all learned something. We can. have learned something. So Penguin Books is part of Penguin Random House. So, so there you go. The books that you used to know and love as a child were distributed by the same... Uh, we're, we're distributing D&D books all along. Those bastards. I, <laughs> I read those books. And you read they, them in good faith. They were facilitating subpar role-playing games <laughs> to a army of simps. Hey. Yeah, shut up, you simp. We prefer the term weirdos. No, no, weird, you're just a, oh, you're simps in an abusive relationship. It's, but, it's not abusive. No, they'll never do it again. Um, right. I never uh, said that. 
<laughs> but yeah, so it's only abusive if you're not asking for it. We're asking for it. <laughs> that is fair. You get what you deserve. Um, so yeah, it's it just seems to me like it's a bit of a, a yeah. Bit- it's like they own they they're owned by a distribution company. Why would they pay somebody else to do it for them? Yeah, it, to me, I I read it and I was kind of. <laughs> Do you know when you're just waiting for the the other like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like the other shoe? Yeah, and there was, just wasn't one. I was reading it, kind of going, okay, okay, so yeah, they've stopped. Blah blah blah. Yeah, blah blah blah. End of year. Uh-huh. I'm just waiting for him to say, yeah, because the Wizards of the Coast employees pissed on our cats or something yeah, like yeah. that. And there was nothing. It was like, no. why am I reading this fucking waste of time? This is the best bit, though. They're not even stopping all distribution through penguin random house <laughs> so penguin random house are still going to be distributing some of the D licensed titles like lore and legends and the new heroes feast book that's coming out they're still going to publish those it's just the actual like gameplay books that they're not going to publish or not uh distribute even not publish so do you think dice breaker had like a really slow news day I, um, yeah, I think that's what it was. Um, Although, it- like, we need to—we haven't said anything bad about wizards for a while. Let's put something out. We've got nothing. That'll do. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this week a thing happened. <laughs> was it a good thing? Ah, no. Was it a bad thing? Eh, no, not really. So, what was it? It was a thing. It was a thing. A thing happened. Said the thing inventor, thinking it should invent a thing inventor. I want that title. <laughs> I want that job title. Well, thing inventor. Yeah, I want to be the thing inventor for any <laughs> fucking company. <laughs> you are. You're our thing inventor. I am. I am your thing inventor. You are. You invent many things for me. So just, I mean, just because I, I said about getting jobs and, and there is a job at Gen Con LLC going. I, I did see that. <laughs> there was also another job going as well, which I very, very nearly put my fucking CV in for. Oh, really? Evil Genius Games. Oh, need a, need a coordinator. Oh, do and it's know. like I can do that. <laughs> so I I I can do that. <laughs> it's a non-creative admin position. I can do that. I yeah, you you could do that. You are very good at non-creative admin. So it's like, ah, do I want it? But to be honest, I've got a very fucking stable job. Yeah, and one that's reasonably well paid. So I'm not gonna yeah. rock that particular boat. But I would love to work in the industry. It would be a lot of fun, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, as you say, like I, I, I'm in a really solid place now as well, so I wouldn't want to risk it on diving into something new unless I absolutely had to. And you know, and you know the the other problem with me working for Evil Genius. What's that? I would probably have to sign an NDA, so we could not track the story. About oh Evil yeah, Genius that's Netflix, true. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so that, um, that's why I didn't take it. My journalistic yeah. integrity. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of new things, yes, that was that was terrible. I feel bad. That was. It was I, feel, I, feel, I feel. I feel. I feel dirty after that one. But after that, really, really quality one right? you did earlier. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I dropped the ball there. You fucked uh, up. I did. I did. Uh, I fucked up so bad that you could feel the fuck up across all of the planes of existence. We're going to talk about Planescape. And you made it worse. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Just double down on that fuck up. Yeah, man. 
You like that's, wizards. You like wizards of the we coast. That's what we do here. <laughs> we double down. Um, so basically, Jeremy Crawford uh, has Plank- said yeah. <laughs> has said that Planescape, the the new uh, like book that's coming out for D anD D, we've covered it a couple of times on the show as well, is his favorite D anD D setting. It is D anD D. He says as he talks about the new book. Uh, which is going to be compatible with the uh, new core rulebook updates in 2024. That, that's it. That's the entirety uh, of the story. So, <laughs> so the person who sells D&D for a living has come out yep. to say... Said, hey, this, this, this is, book's really good. This is like the best book ever, sort of thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, I'm so in love. Look how stuck together the pages are. Yeah, that's- there are no pages because it's not out yet. But yes, that's what he said. He'll have a copy. <laughs> he will have a copy. Oh, he'll, is, he'll have a physical copy. Yeah, which is absolutely. now crusty. <laughs> Accor- <laughs> according to him. Oh. According to his own admission. Yep. So, yep, yep, yep. yeah, the person responsible for selling it has come out and kind of gone, this is a no, really he, good book. He's, he's not responsible for selling it. He's responsible for making sure that the, the rules of the game make sense, which I would argue he doesn't do a very good job of. Because there are so many fucking rules arguments that happen online about the rules as written. So much so that literally the amount of times that people will tweet him, but like, hey, does this work the way I'm reading it? And he has to reply with yes or no. And then people will bring that to the argument in the forums is quite funny. I mean, to be honest, most systems do have some element of that. But oh, of course they do, I, yeah. I have not seen it as as sort of prevalent as as well, much as it is in D&D. I, I, I think part of the reason you see it more with D&D is because there's the, like just on a percentage basis, more people play D&D, right? So just percentage-wise, there's more people to have those arguments, so you're going to see more of them, if that makes sense. And let's be honest, they are kind of lacking the rules. When they, when they came out, the rules weren't entirely finished, so they did this whole... Oh, yeah, but the GM can, you know, it's GM discretion. And don't get me wrong, fantastic fucking selling point, and yep. it's worked. It, yeah. Regardless of, of why it why it came about. So you start with a sort of wonky foundation and build on top of that, everything yeah. is going to have a knock-on effect. Yeah, so, perfect. Yeah, the rules need updating, which is exactly what is currently what happening now. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, Pathfinder 1st Edition had a very similar problem. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, yes. Everything was added. It was so broken. So this is added. (laughs) This is added. But you you say that like you're not the person who goes, I like to break video games, break RPGs and all that. I'm not disputing that at all. It was very easy to do. Um, and I think part of the problem that I had with Pathfinder is obviously the, the group that we used to play with. Um, it got to a point where you almost had to break your character to be relevant. But um, to be honest, that is Pathfinder first edition. Um, it is. It, it really is. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why I, I kind of fell out of love with, with Pathfinder was because of that. Um, whereas even if you like royally break a character in air quotes in like 5e, it's still not like game breaking unless you do like a coffee lock. but. No DM is going to allow a coffee lock at their table because coffee locks can generate infinite spell slots. But the system shouldn't <laughs> even allow for that. Uh, technically, it doesn't. You, you have to do some fuckery to do it. Um, like it, 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 it's 
possible rules as written, but realistically, it's not, if that makes sense. No, but like D&D, doesn't make fucking sense. <laughs> um, but anyway, speaking of the new rules, there is a bonus Unearthed Arcana document, playtest document, that came out on Thursday. So just the other day. Which has, it's got some updates for some cantrips that they want to try out. Sorry, can I just thank you for the explanation of how the days of the week work? Yeah. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. Thursday Thursday. was just the other day. It was just the other day. Yeah, it was. Please continue. (laughs) What, was it not just the other day? It was, it was. You were there. Fuck off. Um, but basically, yeah, so they, they've uh, released this bonus uh, document and it's got some changes to cantrips, which are pretty cool. Um, nothing really game-breaking on the cantrip front. Um, it's just things like they've tweaked some damage dice on some spells or slightly tweaked to the wording on one or two, things like that to make can- some of the cantrips not as ridiculously fucking stupid as they used to be. Or the ones that were pointless, they've buff them a little bit so that they are a bit more viable. Um, so, yeah, just some some nice cantrip changes. But the big, like, newsworthy story for this particular document is the introduction of a Bastion system. Okay, and what is the Bastion system? So, a Bastion is a location that belongs to a player character. So, like, their home or a stronghold or anything that they've, like... Um, so, it might be, like, a tavern that the the group has collectively bought or inherited or, you know, got their hands on through some dodginess, right? Um, but basically, it's, it's a, like, a home base for them. So, when they're not on an adventure or something, they've got somewhere that they can go and kind of rest without having to worry about stuff, which is quite nice. But it also has a lot of like actual gameplay mechanics as well, which is pretty cool. So gaining a Bastion um, is a possibility once they reach level five, because it wouldn't make sense for them to own something before then, apparently. Um, that, that's the only bit that I'm looking at. Well, there's, there's two bits that I'm looking at it with like, eh, really? Um, that's one of them, because I don't know why the arbitrary level five cap for having one of these things. Especially yeah. considering, like, they list a home. So you have to be a level five adventurer to have a home. So there's, like, I think if- there's rampant homelessness <laughs> yeah. all across so I, I, the I think, room. I, that's why I think the inclusion of, like, a home as what a bastion could be is what makes me question level five. I think if it was, like, they've got a stronghold or, you know, a tavern or, or something like that, I can understand the level five requirement because they would have had to warrant being strong enough to have a stronghold, right? But, like, a home, really? The fucking barmaid at the tavern has a home, I'm sure. Right? (laughs) No, maybe she doesn't. Um, Maybe she's only level four. Maybe she's like, (laughs) all I need to do is another 17,000 pints of Guinness, and I will have enough XP to get my first home. I just need to slap one motherfucker across the bar. Um, but essentially they, they give a bunch of, uh, extra mechanics to the game. So, um, there's, they're going to be introducing something called a bastion turn. Um, so as time passes, so it's in the book, it's every seven days, but they do categorically say that the DM can alter the frequency based on, you know, whatever's happening in the world or whatever to, to when they, they do it. Right. 
Um, but essentially during the Bastion turn, the players um, will issue orders to the special facilities of their Bastion. And there's a whole like chapter on what those special facilities are. I'm not going to go in depth into all of them, um, but it's things like they can have, uh, let me get one of them. So special facilities are things like crafting or empowering or harvesting, right? So they can, the hirelings at their Bastion can start crafting some armor or, or stuff like that, right? Um, so you can basically order the, the people that are living in your Bastion to do some stuff. Or you can do a maintain order, which is where they will main, do some maintenance work and make sure the Bastion's up to scratch. Um, but those special facilities that you can issue orders through will generate Bastion points. And you can spend Bastion points on a level up to purchase a magical item or... Um, so essentially, you you would be issuing your um, special facilities to be, you know, researching and crafting this magical item with the GM approval. Obviously, you're not just going to pull out some magical item and just be like, "Hey, look what I got!" Like, no. Um, <laughs> the DM can still say no, um, which again they've written into the rules, so you can't have a player going, "Well, the book says." Well, no, the book also says I can tell you to fuck off. Um, <laughs> yeah, but even if even if the book doesn't say that i oh yeah absolutely the, like the, well the the overarching rule of of any D book is the dm has the final say right it's literally printed in the front of the D- I, don't, I, don't need, I don't need a fucking book to tell me that <laughs> no but it's for those people that say well the book says that yeah well this book also says fuck off um but basically so you can uh you can get a common magic item for 20 bastion points an uncommon for 70, a rare for 250, but you also have to have a, there's a level prerequisite for rare and above. So you have to be level nine and 250 Bastion points for a rare magical item. Uh, very rare is thir- level 13 and 350 Bastion points. And for a legendary item, you've got to be level 17 and 700 Bastion points. And you can basically get your hands on a magical item that way, which is quite cool. Which, yeah, it is cool, but I do think there needs to be, like, on the GM side of the screen, there needs to be a balancing mechanic. Like, in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, there is a wealth by level. Mm -hmm. So if a character comes into contact with something very powerful, you just kind of discreetly knock it off the wealth by level just yep. so that the party as a whole doesn't get too overpowered. Yeah, so the, there is um, mechanics for that in this as well. Um, but there is also things that you can construct into your uh, Bastion. So as the Bastion levels up, because that is part of it as well, you can level up your Bastion. So it's a bit like um, any of those base building like video games where you level up your like your home base, right? And you can add in facilities and features. Um, so you can build things like a workshop or a war room or um, like a guild hall. And then you can have like a thieves guild in there or or things like that. But then there is also um, like rules in here for your bastion being attacked. Um, there's so yeah, so there's a whole, a whole list of bastion events. Um, so basically you roll a D20 on a one to nine, nothing significant happens on a 10, you get attacked. Uh, 11 to 12, a bunch of your hirelings go missing. Uh, 13 to 14, some refugees show up at the gate. 
Then you've got things like friendly visitors and honored guest. One of your hirelings turns out to be a criminal. Uh, and on that 20, you get a magical discovery. And, and just then there's rules for obviously all of those, those things. Um, so yeah, so there is actually like a whole bunch of stuff um, in there. So the criminal hireling um, is, is one that was pretty cool. So one of your Bastion's hirelings has a criminal past that comes to light when officials or bounty hunters visit your Bastion with a warrant for that person's arrest. You can retain the hireling by paying a bribe of 1d6 times 100 gold pieces. Otherwise, the hireling is arrested and taken away, and you need hirelings to be able to do stuff in your Bastion. So losing one is not good. I don't know. I do believe that that would have to be... Obviously, it's only for select campaigns. Yeah, well, yeah, that that is... The, the opening thing for it is um, the DM decides whether this is even a thing in their campaign. Well, I mean, t- I mean, I'm only saying that because every campaign I've had, <coughs> there hasn't been a home base. Yeah, it's been a case of this is what's happening for some reason or other. You need to get the fuck out of town. Yes, yeah, and so- you need to travel the world because I do like to to move around sort of thing. Yeah. In fact, the, the homebrew that I'm coming up with is the first time where it's going to be based in a single city. Oh, there you go. Bastion will work for that. Yeah, but I'm using Cypher <laughs> System. I am not I know, using... I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so that is one of the things that they say in like the first paragraph is it's up to the DM to decide whether Bastions are available in the campaign. Uh, bastions are best suited to campaigns that allow characters to return to their Bastions during intervals when they're not actively adventuring. So... You, you basically can um, you can also command your Bastion while you're out adventuring, so you don't have to like put the adventuring on hold to sit and do stuff at your Bastion, because you can send those orders back for them to do stuff. Um, but it goes a lot smoother when you're there, basically. Well, I'm kind of going to be um, running a campaign which has a similar mechanic to it um, mm. when I start Kingmaker. Because Kingmaker, <clears throat> you, you actually build a kingdom. And yep. you have to manage the kingdom and all that. Don't get me wrong, right now I've got zero fucking clue on how that is meant to work. Not that far read into it yet, but I'll get there. But they will, you know, so the, there is a place for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, they've, they've also got some rules around, like, the fall of a bastion. So basically, if you ignore it for too long, um, somebody else will basically, like, ransack it and take it over and you lose it. Um, and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. With me as a GM, that'd be a day. I've gone out. We we just popped out to the shop. Ah, oh, these things yeah, happen. Well, so, so, somebody, oh, somebody came in, man. Somebody what can came I say? in. If you're ransacked, <laughs> you, you, you didn't lock the door, man. <laughs> but we did. We found it open. <laughs> Snooze, you lose. <laughs> it was definitely open after I picked that lock. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> There's nothing like being the GM that likes to take shit away. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was, uh, that was, I- I'm looking forward to that because I think it's, it could also work as um, like a, a way of managing for like my pirate campaign, right? I was just about to say the, that. The, the Bastion could work really well as their ship because it yeah. gives you a way to kind of manage the ship um, without having to like fudge your own way of doing that or anything like that which is pretty cool. So I'm, I'm going to be using those rules for the management of the ship. No, yeah, it does work. Mm. All right. So should we take a nice leisurely stroll over to the couch? I think we should. I think we should. 
Okay. So I've got a few questions this week. So do I. Ah. I received three questions, although I'm going to combine two of them because they're, they're based on the same um, sort of uh, path. But we'll do those ones second for me because they f- the locations for those follow on from the first question. Okay, so I've got three as well. Um, okay. So, so you've got so you're essentially gonna do two, yeah. Two, yeah, yeah. So if I go, combine two of them. I go, you go. I go, you go. I go. That'll be it. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna read these in order of when I receive them. Yep. So the first question is from Corvus, who is in the queue behind Edgar. <laughs> I might be here for a while. Yeah, well, Edgar's got a lot of forms. So, yeah, just so, just in case people weren't paying attention to our show <laughs> last week, Edgar is my um, fabulous Ultima character. He's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, he is, and he's got a thing for uh, making sure that the forms are filled out and that things, permits are obtained for things. Things have to be right. Yes. If they're not right, they're wrong. It's got to be well documented. Exactly. <laughs> So, the question is, when running running a campaign, do you have a hard limit on the number of players you allow, or do you adjust for yourself the limit on the number of players based on several factors? Uh, I would say the second one. Okay. What would those Mainly, factors kind of be? So, if, for example, if they're uh, newer players, I'll tend to have a smaller group because there's going to be a lot more um double checking and sort of not micromanagement that's the wrong wrong word but you you know what i mean like going over things with them and making sure that they've understood the you know that rule or this rule or that mechanic and stuff like that um so with with a smaller group it means that you're not going to spend eight hours on like one round of combat because everyone's asking questions um and also in a smaller group you're people are more likely to double check things rather than in a bigger group because they're going to like I guess it's just a bit of human nature, right? You don't want to um, piss people off. It's just I mean, most people, not you, John. I know you don't give a shit. But most people don't want to piss other people off. So they, they tend not to ask questions in a bigger group because they don't want to um, upset those people and make it feel like they're taking a long time to understand things. But having a smaller group in that situation, I find, is better. It's not that I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's that I actively enjoy p- pissing people off. That too. <laughs> yeah, they, they, not giving a shit. No, no, I actively enjoy it. If something's pissing someone off. It's going out of his way. <laughs> it, that's it. I will bend over backwards. Um, but yeah, so I, I was, and then obviously if it's like a, a group of really experienced players, um, then I tend to widen the net a bit more because I, I'm not going to have to micromanage as much. For me, I don't have necessarily a hard limit, or should I say, I've not hit my hard limit yet. Mm. I think the most I've played, for, uh, I've run for is eight. But my approach changes drastically. Yeah, because it goes from with four players, where I can kind of be a, a lot more sort of relaxed and a lot less demanding. Mm. where I can kind of go, right, just take your time. Think about what you want to do. When I get to like the seven, eight player mark, it's like, I need a decision and I need it now. Yeah. You've you got kind of just 30, uh, and you've got 30 seconds to decide what you want to do. Yeah. If you, if you are not 
if you do not know the rules well enough, tell me what you yeah. want to do, and I will translate it to rules for you. Mm. Yeah. Um. Once you get to once you get past the six player mark, it's like right. Yeah. You need to start moving. It's, it's got not, to be rapid, otherwise you, you do. You spend like eight years on one round of combat. If not, you're going to lose your turn. And I've got no yep. qualms in kind of going, too late, next person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your character has spent the six seconds, like in the case frozen of... Frozen in fear. Not frozen in fear, but just <laughs> in indecisiveness. Yeah, yeah, You know? Um, and that, and I say six seconds because that is what D and D and Pathfinder yeah, kind of hold it's their the rounds basis to. for a round. Yeah. Raw master is ten seconds, you know. If, yeah. So I, I basically just kind of go, "What you're doing? You don't know. We're moving on." And mm. obviously not as draconic as that, but I, I, I yeah, will the, say one the thing: hard though, time play, limit like, is is yeah. something I adhere to with a larger table number i I would also say as well like players make your dm's life easier decide what you're doing before it's your turn in combat the amount of times that i've sat at tables and it's like you're going around the table like in the initiative order and then you get to like a spell caster and you're like oh what are you doing and they're like oh oh i don't know what spells should i cast like dude you've had 20 minutes since your last round like how have you not decided what you're going to do next that's why i struggle with playing um yeah because you know, as a GM, you are constantly thinking, what am I going to do next? What's going to happen? What are they doing? Et cetera. Yeah, but that, that's what I'm like as a player, though. But when you get to play, at least when I get to play, it'll be like, okay, I'll take my turn. And the moment that turns over, I immediately know what I'm going to do next. So yeah, that means I'm, I'm going to sit same. back and wait for well, everybody. What, what I tend to do is I will... Um, so I'll, I'll have a rough idea of what I want to do. Like, I'll be like 90% sure this is what I do, unless something happens that changes that. So I'll have like a 90% idea of like, I mean, it does help that I mainly play martial characters, right? So my options are bonk them with the sword, bonk them with the axe, punch them in the face. Those are pretty much my choices, right? Every yeah. week it's bonking. Yeah, it's because it's the best way to deal with bad guys. You punch <laughs> them in the face. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> you heard it here first. That is, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, Justin. Yep. And we're just going to move on. Um, so I, I, it's, it's very quick for me to decide, like, what I'm going to do next round because I play martial characters. But even when I have played a spellcaster or two, I'll, I'll still have a rough idea of what spell I'm going to do or who I'm going to buff or heal or whatever <laughs> in the next round, right? And the only reason that'll change is if something on the battlefield changes to make that no longer a valid tactic but even then i've already that 10 percent of well it's 90 percent this 10 percent of this or this or this or this if this happens during that whole diatribe i only heard the words bonk and buff and i am a fucking child (laughs) i know you are (laughs) um but yeah do 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 plan ahead guys please just makes everybody's life easier um, and definitely don't be that person that sits on their phone and then when it gets to their turn and goes, huh, huh, what are we doing? Don't, don't be that guy. Please. No, you are right, though. Just have... <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> have some con- it's having consideration for the rest of the table. Yeah, because we're all there to have fun, right? Um, and yeah, that's... So yeah, that's right. what I would say. So that is my first question. So my first question, I'm going to change one of the words because... Um, Technically, the word that they've used is not correct, but that's just me being me. Uh, 
so this question is from sci-fi he's hit me up with several questions uh all on friday which i'm i was it's literally like middle of the morning I, I just got a bunch of messages on facebook i was like why is my phone going mental and it was it was these questions so I, I was pissed off for all of five seconds until i realized that it was questions for the show and i was like oh cool i got questions <laughs> oh, fair enough um so this is from sci-fi who is currently waking from a nightmare about maggot eyes now that is relevant to the question it's not just a random <laughs> nightmare that he's had um is it me or do the mind flayer maggots look way too big to squeeze into the eye socket? I read it verbatim. I didn't change the word. The word I was going to change was maggot for larvae because technically they're mind flayer larvae, but whatever. But yes, they are. They're massive. I don't know if you've seen the artwork for them. I'm going to Google that now. Uh, they are, I would say, easily about four inches long and about an, uh, half an inch to an inch wide. And these things are meant to, as as the law dictates they enter the the body of the host through any of the cranial orifices so it's any hole in your head so it could go through your ear through your mouth through your nose or through your eye socket and that would not be comfortable they do look big they do look yeah. quite quite yeah. sizable um now my argument for yes they do look too big to go in into an eye socket comfortably but I don't feel like comfortably is their their goal here, right? Their goal isn't to make you comfortable. Their goal is to take over your entire fucking body. Oh, shh, shh, just relax, relax, just, just lay back, lay back. No, no, just, just, just hey, dude, just, just come yeah. on, come on, listen. So, I'm gonna put some enyor on. Okay, I'm gonna light some candles. I actually have got some candles. And I've actually got some Enya on a playlist. So, uh, I put some on some, some Vangelis. Then I put some candles and there's just... Woosa! Imagine, imagine the rolling of the waves on the beach. Um, but yes, no, they, they definitely do. They look too big to squeeze into the eye socket comfortably. Um, but the, the average human eye socket... Um, it's actually quite large once you get past like the the skin eye covering the actual eye socket is actually quite large so they could easily fit into the actual socket it would just be they're getting into the eyelid and behind the eye that would suck but i would argue the whole process would suck if if we're being honest right not if they put anya on (laughs) well there you go mind flares now you know what to do next time you want to you know, infect a bunch of uh, hosts. Just put some Enya on in the background. Bit of, bit of sail away. <laughs> you know, a bit of Enya. Some incense burning. <laughs> Can't not help. Oh, uh, some Enya and some lavender incense. Bit of lavender. <laughs> you know, you need to realign your chakras. You realise now that any time I walk into any place where there's Enya playing and incense, I'm going to be like, there's mine players, there's mine players, there's mine players! <laughs> Run away! <laughs> I'm going to walk into the body shop and just start trashing the place. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. You're not taking my mind. (laughs) Lush is starting to make so much more sense. (laughs) To be honest, that is very (laughs) cult-like. Right? You know, they are very... uh, Yeah, yeah. So They all follow the elder brain. (laughs) Beware of incense, folks. You've heard it here first. Yep. Mind flares. Mind flares. But they can't be called man flayers, because if not, the Pinkertons will come to your house. 
the legally distinct from mind flayers. The legally distinct from mind flayers. <laughs> They're brain absorbers. Yes, brain absorbers. Brain absorbers. With their go. tadpoles. That's that's what we're called. No, no, because they're tadpoles in the lore as well. Ah, fuck. With the we'll, have come, we'll have to come up with a different name. Caterpillars. Um, <laughs> and they're going to turn you into a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> Listen to my Enya. <laughs> oh, yeah, so that, that's that's my opinion on it. Having looked at the artwork, what do you think? <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. I, I, uh, I'm having so much fun with this, I forgot the fucking question. But yes. <laughs> Do they look too big to squeeze into the eye socket? <laughs> was the question. Not, you know, not if they've got no no regard for the eye. Yeah, which they don't, because they don't care. You know, to be like, okay, oh, here's an eye. Oh, sailor, away, sailor. Away. <laughs> aye, aye, sailor. <laughs> oh, you look comfortable. I don't know why I'm giving him a Spanish accent, but guys, I can because I am Spanish. Yeah, it's true. He's allowed to. I'm allowed to. <laughs> it's okay. If I, and I, I kind of can because my daughter's half Spanish. So I'm, I'm half allowed. <laughs> so you can say half a joke. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm allowed to do half a joke. So you can get the setup and no punchline or punchline and no setup. That's yeah, it. <laughs> I'll, I'll do the punchline. I'll do the punchline. Yeah, you have to do the punchline. <laughs> Oh, oh right. What's your next question? I want to talk about this for a while. Let me oh. have a look. Um, let me just whip back. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we can because, like, we, we we can put uh, what, what is it we said they were going to be called brain absorbers. We can put brain absorbers into our system if you want. Yeah. So brain absorber <laughs> caterpillars. Yeah, brain absorber caterpillars. Yeah, that's happening. Yep. All that's right. A thing. So I've got Corvus again. Oh, lovely. Who is still in the queue behind Edgar. Yep. He's asking about risk assessments. Yeah, that tracks, that tracks. So what are your thoughts and opinions on potentially converting pre-made adventures campaigns for a different system, i.e. D&D to Pathfinder and vice versa? I do it all the time. <laughs> do you think it's something that either of you would do if the adventure campaign had a good enough premise to warrant thinking about? Yes. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, we, I think I think we've both done it. <laughs> I haven't done it from Five E because none of their adventures no, appeal yeah. to me. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I've um, done it from you've five, done it from I've done it from Five E based um, things yeah. like like external supplements, but nothing from Wizards of the Coast. Yes, yeah. Like I'm I'm part of a mailing list. I think it's DM Dave, mm-hmm. and they send out like these free Five E adventures once a month. Yeah. And a couple of them I've looked at and just kind of gone, oh, nice one, Dave. Yoink. <laughs> and I've, or I haven't quote unquote converted them, but I've taken the premise. I, I've actually, um, to, to take that one step further even, I've converted um, one of the raids in a video game I play into a 5e module. Okay. Um, I haven't played it yet. I've play tested it all. And I know it, it like it all works. I just haven't played it with a group yet, um, but it was a lot of fun. And kind of coming up with stat blocks for the the raid bosses was very interesting. Um, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, so I, I've done it even from a video game into um, into a module. And it's I think that's also something that people should maybe look to do more of because it kind of it broadens your mind a bit more as well because you're not converting like like for like right because. Taking something like 5e and converting it to Pathfinder or vice versa, or even from, you know, 
5e to i don't know pick a system um there's always going to be similarities and like direct correlation between like this stat and this stat or that stat and you know there's always going to be a way to directly correlate stuff but going from video game to tabletop role-playing game you've got to think outside the box a little bit for how some of the video game mechanics are going to work mechanically in the game system that you're running and that's quite a cool challenge i mean it's it's a very simple process Mm. It becomes hard when you try and do it like for like. Yeah. When you try go, <clears throat> let's say, take a, a 5e supplement and go, okay, well, here they need, you know, here the, the text says it should be an insight check. Well, I'm going to use sense mode. It, th- then it becomes hard because you're giving yourself extra work. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you get a creature. You know, there's this creature. Okay, so I need to recreate this creature. It's like, no, you don't. No, you just find something similar. Get something similar. Get something that fits the bill. You know, just get the story. Get the story elements, the narrative. That's what you move over. You do not have to convert any of that. Yeah. The rest of it is just essentially applying your own DCs. Yes. And that's it. And when it's a net, when it's a creature, don't try and find a like for like. Just try find something. Okay, so there's a an ethereal undead. Okay, I'm gonna get another ethereal undead. Yeah, it's a really simple thing to do. I mean, yeah, I mean that 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 is essentially what I did as well. Converting from the video game is I looked at what the boss was like in the game, and then I found an equivalent monster that already exists in the system, and then just tweaked it slightly. I mean. You say that people should look to do it more often. I've actually seen it crop up quite a bit. This mm. same question um, in like the the Facebook groups that I'm a part of, where people have kind of gone, okay, I'm wanting to run, what is it, Descent into Avernus in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. How would you do that? Yeah. And my advice to them is exactly the same as what I've just said now. Mm. Get the narrative. Get the story beats. And then add in the challenges as per the system that you're playing. Yeah. And that's it. It's a really straightforward thing to do. Mm. It's a lot of fun. All right. Okay. You've got another one? I do. So technically this was was sent through as two questions, but the one is kind of just the opposite question to the other. So I'm just going to combine them. Um, So these are both from sci-fi as well. Um, So the first one he said... Having a should have gone to spec savers moment, do they do maggot extraction? Fair. And the second, the second one was uh, fishing with a fresh maggot at the end of the pier. So I'm guessing he got it out by the sounds of it, um, which is good. But the, the questions that he uh, put forward there are: what three things are required to make a good NPC, and what three things make a bad NPC? I'm assuming that when he says good and bad, he's talking about the quality of, not necessarily the... The alignment, yeah. Is he, <laughs> is, that's it? Is he referring to the alignment? Or? No, 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 no. I think he's referring to the quality, yeah. Okay, so good NPC. I mean, <clears throat> the, your basics are personality, mm-hmm. description, and attitude towards the party. Yeah. If you get those th- three things right, 
then that is a good NPC. Then anything that you add on to that, whether that's quirks or or little sort of idiosyncrasies, then that's just flavour. Yes. So you need a physical description, you need a personality, and you need an attitude towards the party. Uh, and all three of those need to correlate as well. Yeah. You, they, they need to make sense. To a certain degree, but it is often good to have um, sort of contradicting aspects. You know, you've got this big, gruff-looking person with a horrible temperament, but he loves the party. Yeah. So, you know, he hates everybody else, but the party come in, it's like, hey, guys. That sort of thing. I think <laughs> those sort of contrasts really do work as well. Or you've got the like the meek, slender-looking nobody with the awful sort of temperament who just gives the party an unbelievable amount of shit. Essentially me as an NPC. Yeah, I was about to say, that sounds like you. It is me. Um, but that's the thing, right? Th- those things, can they, they still make sense. Because, like, if, for example, right, with that first example, the, the first example you gave... The, the guy that was like, he hates everyone else, but he loves the party. It could be because he gets the vibe from the party that they also hate everybody in town. And he's like, these are my people. I like these people. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair. So it still, it still makes sense and it correlates because if the party have come in and they've basically gone, everyone in this town is a fucking moron. And he's like, right? Now you know what I've been dealing with for the last 20 something years. And then they kind of bond over that. Then it makes sense that he gets on really well with the party, but he hates everyone in town because everyone in town's a fucking moron. And I think those those are the things that, uh, like, when I say they need to correlate and make sense, that that's kind of what I meant. Mm. Is um, like, don't have him just love the party for no reason. If he hates the whole town because they're all really upbeat people, and the party come in being really upbeat, then it would make sense that he fucking hates them too. I mean, there's also. There's also... Oh, I forgot what I was going to fucking say now. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah, no, yeah we're, don't worry, we're not editing that out. <laughs> the Mind Flayer maggot is taking effect. <laughs> I thought I heard some fucking Enya. <laughs> no, I genuinely had an addition to it and to kind of go, mm. oh, you also need to remember this. And then I just kind of fucking went out the window. That, and and that, that, I think, is what makes a bad NPC, is giving them something that you then forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forgetting your NPCs. Horrible yeah, NPCs. It is, it is. Um, um. <laughs> no, but logic is also a hugely important mm. one. You've got to make their, their, yes. their decisions and their actions logical. So, um, like, for example, you get an NPC, and a lot of Adventure Paths do it, where it's like... Oh, this NPC is not inclined to help the party in any way. Yeah. All right. And let's face it, some players can fucking argue. Oh, yes. Some players can can kind of bring up logical arguments, which are hard to refute. Yep. Not so much for me, because I can also argue pretty fucking well. Yep. But I, I have seen <laughs> it where the GM ends up just going, Oh, because they're not, sort of thing. And it becomes a very cold sort of, this is as far as you're getting. Yeah. Whereas you need to be able to somehow make their positions logical, even if it is to them. 
Yeah. And you need to be able to argue that point. It, it, it's that, that age-old thing of um, point of view, isn't it? Because from that NPC's point of view, what you're saying is wrong. Yeah. And that's what it boils down to, right? You can make the most, and like, there's something that, well, I mean, we've, we've got kids, so we've experienced this on a daily basis, where a kid will lay out a fucking flawless logical argument, but they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of sit there, and you're like, fuck, that makes sense, but it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, so I think the lack in logic does kind of betray yeah. the, the quality of the NPCs. Um, I would also say um, trying to make the NPC like the party favorite NPC. If you try and make it the favorite NPC, you you're are, going to make a bad. NPC. You're going to fail. Yeah, the 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 favorite NPC is always the one that you put the least fucking effort into because that's the one the party's going to bond with because they're going to be very reactive to the party. I find. Yeah, because you're not kind of um, backing yourself into a corner. Yeah. You're not I, sticking to a script. I created an NPC in in my homebrew campaign and he was like a guard captain and Mm. I wanted him to be intimidating. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I remember this. Did not fucking land. Nope. Did not fucking land. So I had him killed off and then I brought in his boss. Mm -hmm. Now, he fucking landed. (laughs) He fucking (laughs) landed pretty fucking well. Um, but yeah, that, that first NPC was like, okay, so you're all under arrest, you know, remove. And they were taking the piss out of him, like something fucking fierce. And it was like, okay, so this went tits up. Mm. So yeah, I mean, you don't have an expectation of your NPC. Yeah. Some NPCs are going to be off the cuff. And this happened in my um, Abomination Vaults game last week, where. They met a group of, um, well, currently drow, but canon-wise, that's not going to be like that for much longer, but the group of drow who were able to to be swayed and become sympathetic. And initially, the four that are encountered are just mooks, are just like, you know, they're the hunting party. Yeah. They do have a boss in the area, and the boss has a name and he's got a history, etc., etc. So when they met these four, um, one of the players went, I'm so-and-so, this is so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. What are your names? Mm. So I could have gone, oh, yeah, um, they give you their names, but it's not really relevant. But I was in a funny mood, so I started looking around my room and went, um, this one is Lampavocado. <laughs> and this one, and I gave them all stupid fucking names like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Lampavocado. Um, no, Lamp Vape Juice. Avocado Headphones. And Russell Brand. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But no one's allowed to be in a room on their own with Russell Brand for some reason. Of course it's, not. But anyway. <laughs> so... <laughs> But and then they went to meet the the boss of them, who again has got a name, he's got a backstory, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Guaranteed, they are not going to fucking remember the boss. No, they'll remember the little ones. They will remember yeah. lamp vap juice. Yep. So or or lamp avocado. No, yeah, lamp avocado. Mm-hmm. Um, 
vap juice. Uh, something along those lines. I've got it written down somewhere because I knew this would happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like That's the thing. Okay, that is the key to good NPCs. Every NPC you create, write down. <laughs> oh, 100%. Because whichever one you don't write down, that's the one the players are going to want to talk to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just bringing up my notes from the other day. Where were the fucking was it? So, yeah, it was lamp vat juice, avocado banana pack, <laughs> flask headphones, and Russell brand. <laughs> oh, love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I think, I think that sums up good and bad NPCs. <laughs> oh, I'm still laughing at that. Anyway, but, yeah, oh. thanks for that question, Sci-Fi. Yes, thanks for all those questions. Yeah, Amazing. they were fantastic. And yep. we've got one last question this evening mm-hmm. from the man, the myth, the legend, Couch, who is mm-hmm. lost inside an Ikea's kitchen department. Sounds about right. Easily fucking done. Yep, we've all been there. We've all done it. The only place that's worse than Ikea is where I work. Yep. That's just, yeah, that's another fucking story. Yep. But Couch's question is... Is there a place in tabletop role-playing games for romance? Much, much like most RPGs now, there seems to be romance mechanics in a lot of games. Do you think this detracts from a campaign story or add to it? Your thoughts, um, Justine? I, I think it does have a place. I think it has to be... Um, it, it has to be what the... You know, something that everybody is, like, into for for the the setting and whatnot um i i think it's as long as you don't do what hollywood seems to do of just shoehorning in some romance because romance then i think it can work quite well if it's done properly and if it's handled properly um but it is something that you do need to be careful of because it can lead to just people being uncomfortable or whatever so it's something you need to make sure everybody's cool with yeah well i'm i'm kind of starting out on the on the principle that everybody is comfortable, you know, let's kind of start out there because obviously there are a lot of red flags that we don't really yeah. need to get into because yeah. that is just common fucking courtesy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but in terms of let's suppose that everybody at the table, all red, all willing, would you kind of allow for it? Would you? Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If, if everybody's on board, Absolutely. Because it, it's it's one of those things where it can lead to really cool moments, right? Because if there's been like a romance story brewing between, you know, maybe two, two of the PCs or one of the PCs and uh, somebody from the town or something like that, that could lead to a really cool scene later where, you know, you, you get that classical hero thing of you can save your loved one or save like the party or whatever, right? You can kind of lead to those moments and th- those are always really cool. Um, to, to lean into the the hero film trope, obviously, um, but yeah, it, it can because it can absolutely lead to some really cool moments. So if everybody's on board, then absolutely, I would. I mean, I I allow for it. I you know don't necessarily have a problem with it. However, a lot of the times when this happens, it does kind of start to take center stage. Yeah, and that is something I actively work against. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if there is a couple in, and I'm talking character-wise, obviously, if yeah. there is a if there is a, a a couple of characters who have engaged in a romantic dalliance, 
I'm not going to dwell too much on it. No. I'm not going to... Because I do think, to a certain degree, it can detract from everybody else's experience at the table because they're going to end up going, for fuck's sake, here we go again. You know, oh, they're having their nice romantic date. Fucking great. You know? Yeah, I I think, like, in those sort of situations, that's where you would benefit from maybe having, like, a, a, like, one-on-one session with those people. Um, So they can still have, like, their romance RP, like, date night or whatever, but it's not going to impact on everyone else's time at the table. No, I'll just, I manage the, the table accurately you know i i I do set aside time i set aside Mm. time for role play and i will you know sometimes you go out on your day what happens what's the conversation about they get to have their conversation and then we're fading to black yeah and then right what are you guys doing in the meantime and now focus on the other players yeah i'll give 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 everyone this i'll give them their moment but i will shift the spotlight i will not let them take it and if they they kind of try take it again it'll be a case of we're not going to investigate we're not going to look into this this is something you say this happens then that happens not a problem Uh, we don't need to be witness to it and the other thing i'll say and i suppose this works with romance and it will also work with the bastion system Mm mm-hmm the more the player has, the more I can take away. Exactly. And I am not shy of a bad guy finding out these two are an item. I'm exactly, going yeah. to kill that one. Yeah. And I will I will go for it. I will try it. If they succeed and they survive, good for them. But if I take that away, then you set yourself up for that. You set your you you establish the parameters. So the same with the Bastion. You've got a stronghold. If anybody finds out or interested parties find out, then that place is at risk. Yeah. I did it in, in Abomination Vaults where there is an entity who's kind of been observing what's been going on. So when that entity appeared, it was like, I'm going to now take something from you. Mm. And it went straight for the romantic partner who was asleep at the time. Yeah. You know, it's the more you the more you give me to work with, the more I have to potentially take away. So that is something yeah. that you need to kind of beware of. Yeah, absolutely. But other than that, yeah, if you want to go into a private chat and fuck yourself silly, by all means. As long as it <laughs> As long as it doesn't disrupt the table. <laughs> but yeah, that is about time. That's, I believe so. Yeah, we're hitting an hour and a half. I think that's I think that's a good session. Yeah. So thank you to Couch, Corvus, and Sci-Fi for some fantastic questions. Yep. So, some brilliant questions, as always, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks to you for taking your time to... For, Thanks to you for spending some time with me. See, okay. That words thing is is contagious. It's hard today, isn't it? It's really hard. Yeah. But yeah, thank you very much for spending some time with me. Um, do you want to tell people where they can found, find you on the interwebs? Yes. So you lovely folk can find me uh, on our Facebook group page. Um, I'm on there uh, a lot. 
and because I always have my phone in my hand because I'm a dirty degenerate. Um, and in multiple places online as Just An Accurate TV, mostly over on my Twitch, where I tend to go live playing all sorts of video games. As for me, you can find me at Natural Juan on Dice.camp on Mastodon. And also, this past these past couple of days, I've set up a link tree. It is mm-hmm. linktree um, forward slash two legit to crit, where we have all our social media. We've got every link imaginable connecting you to us, including the Facebook group that Justin mm-hmm. mentioned. So please find us on all these different platforms. Get in touch with us. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you hate. Also. You know, talk to talk to your friends about us. Give us ratings, anything like that that will help these algorithms grow the podcast. And most importantly, thanks to everyone who has spent some of their valuable time listening to two idiots talk about tabletop role playing games. Thank you very much. Good night. <laughs>